count of three, name your favorite dinosaur. Don't even think about it. Just name it. Ready? One, two, three. Velociraptor. What? Did we just become best friends? Yup. It's time for another episode of the Wolf and Y Show. Hello, 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 and welcome to another episode of the Woot and Why Show. I am Josh Y, and once again this week I am joined by our buddy Scott Langford. You can follow him on Twitter at Sportrepreneur. That's S P O R T R E P R E N E U R. It is a bloody tongue twister, but I appreciate the handle and I like it. What's going on, Scott? What's going on, buddy? It's turning to a spelling bee up in here. Yeah. Um, can I have it in a sentence? In country of origin, I'd, I'd imagine the U.S. entrepreneur would be. Can I? Yeah. Can I have it in a sentence? Sportrepreneur is one of the hottest Twitter <laughs> uh, follows on the internet right now. So hot right now. Sportrepreneur Sports should not have 280 characters to play with. Yes. That, we, we, we were talking off the air about the debacle that is Twitter, um, just doubling their. Uh, too much change. Too much. Just give us a little bit. Give us an extra 40 characters every five years. Slowly turn it into Facebook. Don't just make it Facebook. Oh, yeah. Anyway, last week's show. Oh, my God. Um, we <laughs> Across all three Woot & Y platforms, and you only joined us for one show, but just Sean Watson was the was the integral part of everything. The DFS show was all like the Sean Watson against the Colts D, like play, play, play. Then Mr. NFL and their punting podcast is like, Sean Watson's going to murder the Colts, take a minus 11, and then and then you talk him up as an MVP candidate, which I agreed with if he kept going on his trajectory, and then he just tears his ACL, like, what was it, 18 hours later? It was just, oh, it's not uh, even, it was, it was eight hours later. Oh, my God. What a... It was a jinx of all jinx. I oh. said on Twitter that I might have cracked the code, that it seems to be all the players that we love to talk about and give respect to get injured, so... If we can make this a Tom Brady hour, that would be fantastic. <laughs> Mate, he can just, never get injured. If you read uh, the TB12 yeah, manual, his body is trained to, to endure any sort of hit. Um, let's, so. put that to the, let's put that to the test. <laughs> you know, someone out there signing Bernard Pollard just, to, just for this yeah. week. The Broncos, possibly? Just a 40. I don't know how old Bernard Pollard is now, but oh, yeah, he's a 40-year-old guy. He's good for one, one hit. Yeah. <laughs> Just one play. That's all they need him for. Um, the, the strike rate he has on injuring Patriots players has been phenomenal. Um, you know, obviously not intentional. We're not brushing Bernard Pollard, but he's just managed to uh, be involved in some of the most sort of ugly, awkward hits on Patriots players. But anyway, um, eliminated challenge. Uh, still four left. So we had four last week. Um, everyone was correct this week. It's a tight little battle to to win it. So it was a tough week. We We went with Detroit last week against the Packers. So... Might might be favouring the Bears this week. We'll, we'll get to our week, week 8 picks later on in the show. And another reminder as well, iTunes reviews. Please leave us an iTunes review for the show. So head to iTunes, just type in Wooten Y. Um, give us a review. Any review in 2017 goes in the draw to win signed merchandise. So you get to choose the player, and we'll get you a signed jersey or a signed mini helmet or or, or the like. Um the winner of that. So every star you give, you get an you get an extra entry. So five stars, five entries. So it's pretty easy, pretty simple. Scott, have you done that yet? I have not. There you go. So uh, you'll be doing that after we sign off on the show 
today. Before we move on, what was your favourite thing from the week, from week nine? Oh, I love the fact that you've got two 50 burgers being hung. I know we've got a, a couple of things on the list we'll get to. Um, you've got it on the list here. It's actually one of my favourite things to start the week. The New York Jets dancing was probably one of the best things I've seen all year. Uh, the swagger in that team and just the situation they were in. The crowd wasn't there, but the funk was definitely blaring through the speakers at MetLife. I really enjoyed watching that because it made football fun in what was a pretty boring game. Yeah, it wasn't the best game, but I've seen much worse Thursday night football games, but they definitely brought life to MetLife. Thank you. I'm here all week. Uh, my favorite was probably Marshall Newhouse's fumble recovery. Um, fat guy helicoptering. It was just unbelievably amazing. Uh, I've watched the gif of it probably like 67 times. Um, and then he fumbles it as well. It's just the best ever. Um, so that's a lot of weight just flying through the air. Graceful is the word I would use. <laughs> I liked his, I liked his follow up tweet. Uh, the next day, just with a still shot saying, help. <laughs> I didn't see that. That's great. Um, poke some fun on yourself. Um, another weird one, and before we get to the uh, my round reviews, uh, Winston's pregame speech. What did you think of uh, of eating the W and, and him just putting his hands in his mouth and then offering his hands to teammates' mouths? Yeah, I think that was a good indication of, of where the Tampa Bay Buccaneers season's going. Uh, I don't know who put him in charge of mustering up the troops for that for that battle, but yeah, stick to football, Janus. <laughs> stick to crap legs. Uh, I don't his, know. His speeches are generally normally really good. Like he can fire people up. There's been stories of him when he played FSU baseball. They were down in like ninth innings by three runs, and he just rally everyone and just get people just fired up. I, I don't know who it was. A team that was like, I would run through fire for, for Jameis after speeches like that, but I don't know if it was the circumstances and just the, the surroundings and, and the shoulder injury. Maybe they've just uh, stabbed a bit of uh, drugs in the shoulder to, to help him uh, pre-game and it's just taken him on a uh, downward spiral for that speech, but uh, he's, he's out for a couple of weeks and uh, we'll get to that shortly. Buffalo Bills at New York Jets starring Josh McCowan, Darren Lee, Muhammad Wilkinson and Tyrod Taylor. While a 40-year-old quarterback pushes his cult-like cookbook and health food agenda up north in Boston, a 38-year-old quarterback is wheeling and dealing his own little way in the Big Apple. Josh McCowan continues to astound NFL pundits with some solid performances as the Jets remain somewhat relevant at the halfway point of the season. Where can one buy a JM15 cookbook? Sign us up. Jets win 34-21. Rewatchability score 45%. Tampa Bay Buccaneers at New Orleans Saints. Starring Mike Evans, Jameis Winston, Marshawn Lattimore and Alvin Kamara. Don't look now, but the Saints are rolling. The Big Easy is making it look easy, dominating all facets of the ballgame as they get their sixth consecutive win. It was a strange day for Jameis Winston, who began the day with the craziest pregame speech, asking teammates to eat a W before getting involved in a skirmish that saw Mike Evans floor Lattimore. Jameis Winston 
Jameis Weirdston. The Bucks can't Dirk cut it right now. Saints win 30-10. Rewatchability score 41%. Atlanta Falcons at Carolina Panthers starring Christian McCaffrey, K1 Short, Luke Keekley, and Keanu Neal. It took Steve Sarkeesian nine weeks to finally realize the Falcons have Julio Jones on their team, and then he drops the potential game-winning touchdown. The ghosts of Super Bowl 51 continue to spook this Falcons offense as they give up another double-digit lead. The Panthers, meanwhile, discovered their run game through just three letters of the alphabet, C and an A and an M. Which also can spell out CMC. See what we did there? Never mind. The Titanic must go on. Panthers win 20-17. to Rewatchability score 42%. Los Angeles Rams at New York, New York Giants, starring Todd Gurley, Robert Woods, Sammy Watkins, and Aaron Donald. You feeling blue, big blue? The Ryan Gosling-led Rams laid a 50-burger on the G-Men as they marched past the Rams' total points scored in the entire 2016 season. Ben McAdoo might need to take a long walk in the Robert Woods as his team gave up a touchdown on 3rd and 37. And, and all he could do at halftime was produce a subtle... Um, Rams win 51-17, to rewatchability score 37%. Baltimore Ravens at Tennessee Titans, starring Jarrell Casey, Wesley Woodyard, Corey Davis, and Eric Weddle. We have no opinions on this game except to say Joe Flacco is not elite. Titans win 23-20, rewatchability score 15%. Cincinnati Bengals at Jacksonville Jaguars, starring AJ Green, Jalen Ramsey, Barry Church, and Marcel Darius. Ding, 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 ding. In the orange corner, weighing in at 210 pounds is AJ Green. In the green corner, that's funny how that worked out. In the green corner, weighing in at 190 pounds is Jalen Ramsey. Fight! The scuffle between Green and Ramsey was the most entertaining thing about this game as the Jaguars get the TKO victory over the Bengals in the Battle of the Big Cats. Jaguars win 23-7. Rewatchability score 27%. Denver Broncos at Philadelphia Eagles, starring Jay Ajayi, Jason Kelsey, Brandon Graham, and not Brock Osweiler. The J-Train got the full performance upgrade on route from from Miami to Philly. The once great steam train in the sunny state is now a bullet train up in the big smoke. Exploding onto the scene and running into some large running lanes at great speed, the J-Train and Wentz Wagon rolled their way to over 50 points as the horse and carriage offense led by Brock Lobster Osweiler couldn't keep up. Eagles win 51-23. Rewatchability score, 37%. Indianapolis Colts at Houston Texans, starring T.Y. Hilton, Jabal Sheard, John Bostick, and Eddie Pleasant. Fear the Sheard. Jabal Sheard delivers a savage blow on the Houston Texans quarterback, not named Watson, on the final play of the game to seal the game. Tom Savage's surname is more than appropriate as his play at the quarterback position is savage on the eyeballs of NFL viewers. He was worse than anyone could have imagined. The number one Hilton in Houston is not the West Chase or the Post Oak by the Galleria, but T.Y. as he continues to own the Texans. Colts win 20-14, rewatchability score 31%. Washington Redskins at Seattle Seahawks, starring Bobby Wagner, Doug Baldwin, Josh Doxson and Zach Brown. After Kirk Cousins sacrificed Rob Kelly to a hungry Seattle D-line in in a Lion King Mufasa-like moment early, on, early in this one, Fat Robert merged from the dead to run in the winning touchdown with less than a minute remaining. The Blair Walsh project that haunted Minnesota for many seasons waited until after Halloween to haunt Seattle. Redskins win 17-14. Rewatchability score 82%. Arizona Cardinals at San Francisco 49ers, starring Adrian Peterson, 
Corey Peters, Carlos Dansby and Ruben Foster. They call Adrian Peterson all day because he can run all day, and that's exactly what he did against the 49ers. Peterson ran the ball 37 times, 30 freaking 7 times. CJ Beathard should think long and hard about changing his surname to CJ Beat Soft or CJ Beat Less, as it seems to be a magical indicator of what happens in these games. He was hit 20 times. A brawl involving Carlos Hyde, Hassan Reddick, and Frosty Rucker was the only exciting thing about this one. Frosty Rucker, what a name. Cardinals win 20-10. Kansas City Chiefs at Dallas Cowboys, starring... Travis Frederick, Ezekiel Elliott, Travis Kelsey, and Tyreek Hill. It was the Roma Returns game at Jerry World as Tony triumphantly commentated his first ever Cowboys game. Not to be outdone by the man above, Dak Prescott turned it up a notch by dazzling on land and in the air. Tyreek Hill scored the touchdown of the season as 2017 Alex Smith produced the most 2017 Alex Smith thing ever. A screen pass that had 15 or so air yards. Unbelievable. You know what else is the most Alex Smith Chiefs thing ever? Buying into them every October, only for you, only for them to let you down in November before restoring your faith in December and then shattering your dreams, dreams in January. Cowboys win 28-17. to Rewatchability score, 79%. Oakland Raiders at Miami Dolphins, starring Marshall Newhouse, Marshall Lynch, Jay Cutler, and Devontae Parker. Both these teams have not been the most pleasant to watch in 2017, but this game provided three poignant highlights. Firstly, Jarvis Landry, while backtracking to, back towards his own goal line, juked thin air for no apparent reason. Weird. Secondly, Cody Parkey recovered his own onside kick. And last but not least, Fat Man helicopter fumble recovery fumble. Marshall Newhouse recovers a fumble and then proceeds to, to take it to the house before being launched into the air and fumbling himself. Scenes. Raiders win 27-24. Rewatchability score 68%. Detroit Lions at Green Bay Packers, starring Marvin Jones Jr., Golden Tate, Matthew Stafford, and Mike Daniels. Rogers come back, and he kind of fool could see there was something in everything about you. Rogers come back, you can blame it all on me. I was wrong, and I just can't live without you. The Packers' offense was horrendous in Rogers' absence as Matthew gave the Packers' defense a staff infection, connecting with Marvin Jones for two Lambeau leaps. Glover Quinn is closing in on the number one spot on our Glover power rankings. Look out, Denny. Lions win 37, 30-17. Rewatchability score, 36%. Talking tidbits. Not as much news around this week as opposed to last week's trade window, but Mike Evans' appeal of his one-game suspension has been denied, and he'll be out week 10. Um, yeah, never a good time to lose your number one wide receiver, especially with Jameis Winston, who we just talked about atop the show being out uh, a couple of weeks with a shoulder injury. But you're playing the Jets without your best player. Um, your season's you know, in dire straits, and now you've got to play the Jets, who many thought were tanking. A loss here could just loom disastrous for Dirk Cutter. Yeah, this is this is an interesting one. We spoke before the show, uh, the Mike Evans incident versus the AJ Green incident. But just sticking on the Bucks for now and their prospects going into this week, yeah, it's getting from bad to worse for this team. Uh, this is a team a lot of people had up there in the conversation for being able to win the South, uh, be a noisemaker in the NFC, and. Now it appears that they're almost going to be a shoe-in for a top-five draft pick, which 
you know, it, it does spell disaster, which we'll get to a bit later on in terms of what personnel moves they might need to make. Um, if Deshaun Jackson can't get touches at this point of his career, um, you know, essentially being the only one they've got outside of Adam Humphreys in the slot, I'm not sure he's going to be able to resurrect his career in Tampa. There was, going back to the, the Jameis Winston uh, Eater W incident, have you seen Deshaun Jackson in the background and the face he was making? Yes, I, uh, I saw the whole incident. Um, Mike Evans should have been ejected at first and foremost, but uh, yeah, it was a... <laughs> It was a weird man. It was a whole, oh, massive week for brawls. It was ridiculous, and um, you know, it's it's one of those things where you know, I don't know if you put the blame on Jameis Winston for instigating that stuff with Lattimore sticking his fingers in his face. Jameis Winston really had something about sticking fingers in mouths on that particular day. Yeah, weird, um, weird day yeah, for him. Weird. <laughs> yeah, not, not 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 your best day, Jameis. Not your no. best day. Like I like um, Jameis, but yeah, it was a weird it was a weird day for Winston. <laughs> um, you know, but it, it was just a it was a brain fart from Mike Evans to actually run across the field and um, you know to lay that hit on Lattimore. It wasn't as if it was a situation where he was getting tangled up, similar to the Ramsey AJ Green incident, or if he, even in the picture of getting a bit chirpy uh, with Jameis and Lattimore, that was it was just a brain fade move. The fact that he didn't get ejected was. Was phenomenal. Yeah, um, and speak- it only ended up being just a personal foul penalty. Yeah, uh, boggles the mind because yeah, nine times out of ten, um, you're taking an early shower for that sort of incident. Yeah, and I'm surprised AJ Green um, isn't suspended uh, given his behaviour against Jalen Ramsey. But um, obviously, it comes down to whether you've been ejected or not. Yeah, the league apparently seems to feel as though an ejection is almost like a, a half-hearted suspension. Um, I think what played into the AJ Green incident was the fact that up until then, I don't believe he's ever had a personal foul penalty called against him. And yep. he was very apologetic after the game as well. He apologised to his teammates. He said that it, uh, you know, it wasn't in his character and it wasn't a good representation for you know, his team or the league or anyone like that. So mm. you know, AJ Green seems to have got the benefit of the doubt on that you know, after you know, several good years of being a, a high-end player. Mike Evans probably not of that ilk just yet, as yep. talented as he is. And, um, I guess he's borne the, uh, the brunt of being the, the sacrificial lamb suspension-wise in what was a chaotic week outside of those two incidents too. There was a lot of brawling. Yeah. Um, very, very chippy week. So yeah, uh, maybe they maybe they listened to the podcast last week and they were upset about our, uh, our jinxing efforts and they... Just didn't want a part of the action. Other. Yeah, they're just like, uh, I'm, I'm out. I'm not risking my knees. Um, some bad games, so I'm glad there were some brawls because it made, you know, especially the Bengals... Um, Jags game. It made that somewhat entertaining. Uh, moving on, um, in an interview with GQ magazine, Josh Gordon admits that he played under the influence of alcohol or drugs probably every game of his career, including his time at Baylor as well. Um, yeah, he pretty much said that uh, he took drugs, you know, during his personal time in the hours leading up to to a match. It was a very raw, honest interview. I, I encourage everyone to check it out, and a lot of people will probably be outraged at this and. And, you know, saying, oh, he shouldn't be in the league. But I think it's more of an honest look at someone with substance abuse problems and an addiction problem. And I think this makes his comeback even more special if it, if it can stick around and he actually is over these these abuse issues. Because, you know, I watched some of his highlights again today. And, you know, when he flies past defenders like that, he's so Randy Moss-like. It's unbelievable. Yeah, I mean, this is... It, it does speak to the whole situation with Josh Gordon over the last few years, the maturity uh, he's had from where he was a couple of years ago. 
um, you know, catching passes. I don't know who was throwing the ball in those highlights you were watching, but it's funny to think he really has had a good season since Jason Campbell was tossing him the ball. Yeah, um, that's how long ago it's been, and it's, amazing. it's been a it's been a long road for him personally. Yeah. Um, this isn't the first time he's tried to get back into the league, and yeah, it, it is a huge sign of maturity that he's able to own up to his demons. And yep. um, you know, Greg Rosenthal was saying earlier on his podcast or on the, the around the NFL podcast that. You know, Josh Gordon's body language and his, his tone around uh, meeting with the league in past instances of wanting to get uh, re- reinstated was, I want to do this for my team. I wanted this for my teammates, that sort of thing. But at no point did he actually own up to the fact that he needs to actually do it for himself first. Yeah. And, you know, potentially this is something that, yeah, it may be a strategic move from uh, from him and his camp to say, look, we need to get out there and we need to win almost like a, a bit of a PR move, humanize this whole situation and own up that, you know, this is a, a personal demon that could have potentially ended his life and it has massive impacts outside of football. We like to think of Josh Gordon as this this guy that came onto the scene and had a, uh, a historic run uh, in that great year he had with the Browns a couple of years ago, um, which obviously fantasy football fans were happy with and the people in Cleveland, Ohio are happy with. But at the end of the day, he's a civilian. He's a person who yep. you know, had a very severe problem. Um, yeah, so I'm I'm actually quite happy. I'm not happy, but um, it, it just feels different this time, you know. Like it does. It's yeah. it's, it's, in, it's 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 it, you feel. Uh, oh, I don't know. It's genuine. He admitted the last he admitted the last couple of stints in rehab were like for press related reasons, and they weren't serious. Yeah. And this one is. So yeah, I definitely it, I'm it, definitely cheering him on. At, um, I want to see him back in the NFL. He's still only yeah. 26 years old. Like. He's only exactly. like he's like four months older than Cooper Cup. Like this, <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, feel, it feels like he gets it this time. So you know, all, all the best of luck to him. Um, I just hope that he's got the right support base around him. Whether or not that's the Cleveland Browns organization, who knows? But um, yep. you know, we'll, we'll see how everything goes in the, the short term and the long term. I guess. Yep. Speaking of another Josh, the Texans signed Josh Johnson, and that's not really huge news, but it's more for the fact I just wanted to. Um, lead in with this to our to our la- to our first uh, point in the three point stance, and we'll get to that in a second. But um, basically, Matt McGloin was waived, and they signed 31 year old Josh Johnson, who hasn't attempted a regular season pass since 2011. They've talked about Kaepernick, and then Bill O'Brien on Monday, and Roger Sherman uh, tweeted this uh, during the week. Um, he said Bill O'Brien said on Monday that Kaepernick hasn't played in a while, and then on Tuesday, O'Brien signs a quarterback who hasn't thrown a pass in an NFL game since 2011. And then the last time Josh Johnson took a drop back in an NFL game was week 17 in 2012. He was sacked and lost a fumble, and it was his only play that year. And then he further tweeted that Josh Johnson's most recent NFL pass was 421 days before Colin Kaepernick played in the 2013 Super Bowl. This is mind-numbingly stupid stuff from the Texans. It's mind-lamingly stupid from the Texans, but I think it continues to put a microscope on the fact that, you know, if, if people want to still call this Kaepernick situation a conspiracy against him, if they want to try and bring politics into it, it's, it's pretty cut and dry at this point that yep. there is some sort of vendetta against Colin Kaepernick. Earlier in the season where you had teams looking for their second or third person, and there were legitimate options out there uh, to bring in, at this point, uh, me and you would have just as good a chance of, of getting a NFL spot over Colin Kaepernick as is the bias against him. I don't think that you can really ignore it anymore. It's ridiculous. It is. Um, 
it, you know, Kaepernick might not be the best football player, at least not like he was when he was in his heyday at the 49ers, but he is, as you've mentioned, through all those stats, in a lot better position to at least be able to run an offense and succeed than a Josh Johnson. Yep. Um, so, it's just, yeah, it's, it's, absurd. it's absurd. It is absolutely um, absurd. And Bill O'Brien... Should just be fired for that, to be honest. Like it's just stupid. That's a hot take, I know, but he just at every point is he's locked into Deshaun Watson. He's mishandled quarterback situation after quarterback situation, and now he's just gone and done this. Like it's, I feel like just talking about Kaepernick is like now the new Rooney rule. Like, oh, we considered Kaepernick. Look at us. We're we at least considered him. Like yes. just like it's just not genuine talk. Um, I just want to humble brag here too. My Tom Savage. Uh, tweet blew up during the week. Um, I said, Tom Savage is the leading evidence in the Colin Kaepernick collusion lawsuit. Just got uh, got about 200-plus retweets there, Scott. So, uh, yeah, yeah, I go all right every now and then. Well done. Thank you. Slow, slow clap for Joshua Y. <laughs> three-point stance. I'm proud of you. <laughs> all right, three-point stance. What we're leading into is coaches on the hot seat. Um, so we're having an incredibly early Black Monday preview uh, this is week two of our mid-season review, so we're kind of reviewing sort of some of the bad teams now and, and their coaches and what it might mean for them going forward. Um, obviously, I just mentioned Bill O'Brien should be fired, but he won't be fired, obviously, given their quarterback situation. But we'll try and blitz through these so we can get on to our uh, later segments um, on the show. But Ben McAdoo, the Giants are currently 1-7. Um, he had to give up the play-calling duties as well. Um, and then he was asked this week um, what he said to the said to the team at halftime after being down at halftime by 30-odd points, and all he answered with was just, um, uh, <laughs> which was just mind-boggling. And now he's mishandling this quarterback situation with, with what he's saying to the media about potentially benching Eli Manning and things like that. I think he is one of the favorites to be fired at the end of the season. Oh, he'd have to be close to getting fired by Thanksgiving at this stage. Um, you know, that, that whole roster, that whole team is in disarray. It goes beyond being a one and seven team. Um, you know, he's, he's lost this team. If you want evidence of that, go and have a look uh, at the third and 33 play on the weekend oh where an entire defense didn't even look like they were interested in playing football uh, that Sunday. Um, you know, I, I showed that. Uh, I guess it was a gif, I guess, but I showed that footage of the press conference to my Giants fan wife, and she actually thought that it was paused, uh, that there was still buffering, and thus was the awkward <laughs> silence of um. And she's sort of sitting there waiting. Oh, is, it, is it still buffering, or has he, had, has he got another funny answer? <laughs> yeah, if if McAdoo, I mean, the Giants brass at the moment. Um, yeah, you know, I don't think they really have a an affiliation to him, as, with the exception of the fact that he was there. Um, you know, before Coughlin left. I know across Philadelphia, Twitter, a lot of people pointed out that the Eagles wanted McAdoo. McAdoo decided to take the Giants over oh, them. And the Eagles, quote, yeah, the Eagles, quote, unquote, settled uh, for their second place mm. guy, Doug Peterson. So it's amazing how things work out sometimes. Yeah. Um, if Woot was with us on the show, we would have done our uh, Pagano Proverbs segment and it would have just been uh, Ben McAdoo saying um, um, on that because it was just so damn funny. Um, the funniest probably coaching press conference podium uh, this year, apart from uh, uh, probably Mike Zimmer early on in the year, if you want to tune back and listen to that episode where he talked about Sam Bradford being ready in, in two days or six weeks, um, which was very funny. All right, Marvin Lewis. Um, so 
you know, when's when's the Bengal brass going to finally understand that Marvin Lewis, that this Marvin Lewis, Marvin, did I stutter? Marvin Lewis marriage needs to end in divorce. So um, they're pretty much getting out coached nearly every week. 2017 is now probably a lame duck. Um, and the Bengals just look inspired. And, and part of that, and we touched on AJ Green before, when you get AJ Green, who's just been an ultimate professional his entire career, losing his composure and, and going after young cornerbacks, you know that you've kind of lost your players in your locker room. Yeah, I mean, to harken back to a couple of guys you've already mentioned, um, you know, talk about Tom Coughlin, the fact that the Giants had to make that tough decision after a long marriage to do what's best for the organization. The Eagles did it with Andy Reid as well. So not always an indictment on the guy as a coach, but sometimes you just need to make a move for the sake of the organization. Um, you know, the Bengals, while successful under Lewis's reign, at some point you've you've got to just cut ties and you go, you know what? There might not be better people out there, but at the moment we're stagnant. Um, and if we want to be relevant in the years going forward, we've got to do a little bit more than Marvin Lewis. Um, yeah. In saying that, though, he's probably still going to be on the hot seat every single year. And they'll find a way not to, to part ways with him for some peculiar reason. I don't know why, but that's just the way it goes. What's the saying? Better the devil you know? Is that is that the correct saying? The correct use well, of that saying? It is better the devil you know, but they've had a lot of devils in their in their room <laughs> or in their coaching staff before. The Mike Zimmers and the Hugh Jacksons of the world yeah. uh, who go on to take other teams' jobs. Sometimes they just look inward and say, you know, what is there a person on this staff? I don't know the Bengals uh, staff and intimately this year, but... You know, they've had guys in-house previously that they could have theoretically moved straight into from Marvin Lewis, um, and they've sort of found themselves in a sticky situation yep. um, you know, with devoid of options. Yeah, I like the D coordinator, Paul, Paul Gunther. He's an interesting guy. Uh, I don't know if he can be a head coach, but like, if you're going to fire Marvin Lewis this year, maybe give Gunther a look at it the last few. Their Bengals defense, no matter their personnel, has always been pretty interesting. I, I feel like they're always competitive. Yeah, and they, they do have a good roster. They're just not performing that well this year. Yep. Um, you just get that feeling they're going to move on from their quarterback before they're going to move on to their head coach, though. So mm, I don't think that Lewis... I mean, Lewis is definitely on the hot seat because he is every year, but yeah, I don't know if he's got fireproof pants or what he does, but yeah, he's... <laughs> speaking, of, speaking of fireproof pants, Chuck Pagano, when he was last on the hot seat, walked in and got an extension. Um, I don't know if he can do it this year. Um, the Colts are an absolute mess right now. We could spend... I could spend 25 minutes talking about Ursay, Luck, and, and all this entire situation. I'm so emotionally detached from it all at this point, and, and Colt's reporting and sources is just, some of it is just so unreliable, it's just ridiculous. So I don't want to spend too long on rumor and innuendo, but I definitely know Chuck Pagano um, will probably be fired, will, will be fired at the end of this year. Um, I think that the... the uh, the writing's already on the wall. Fourth quarter defense alone is enough this year. He hasn't he hasn't got Andrew Luck um, to save him and rally him back in games, and it's been evident. They've blown leads. Um, he's prevent defense. He's supposed to be a defensive coach, and our defense is already bad defense before he got there. It's gotten worse every year. Yeah, my bold picks that we made at the start of the year, most of them look pretty poor, but the one I was most confident about was Chuck Pagano being gone by week eight. And, you know, he's given every opportunity for that team to make that move, and... Uh, and prove me correct, but somehow we're still there. Yep. Um, I, I can't understand how frustrating it must be for you as a Colts fan. <laughs> um, from the from the outside looking in, it's yeah, yeah. Short short of being in Cleveland, Ohio, we spoke about this last week. The stank just going across county lines. Yeah, it's it's it's, it's, it's gone. It's reached. It's it's, <laughs> it's the black zone. Avoid. 
uh, drive around if you if you if you're going to Pennsylvania and you want to get to Minneapolis, just drive down and and cut a, cut through Tennessee and come swing back around. Yeah, but yeah, <laughs> as easy as it would say to you know to fire this guy at the end of the year for logical reasons, you also just get that feeling as though RSA is going to trot out that he hasn't had Andrew Luck for all yeah, the yeah. line and no, uh, I I the, from. The, the the good honest uh, Stephen Holder is the best Colts beat writer right now. He's he is superb. A lot of the rest is just noise. Um, he he has said that Ursay is bought in on on Ballard. So I know Ballard wants to move on. The only issue is who our next coach will be. Ursay loves a big name uh, big name signing. He he always wants like a a flashy name. Whereas Ballard will opt for for Dave Tube, who I am really hoping for but I feel like that's the only time that's the only thing they're going to clash on but other than that he's hand handed a lot of this stuff over to to Ballard the only thing is that the Andrew Luck stuff is Ursa's very red-faced well he's already red-faced but he's extremely more red-faced because he was the one that promised Andrew Luck would be back and everything but Ballard was the one that never guaranteed that at all he's the only one that smells like roses right now in this entire organization his young draft picks I know they're injured but are all playing well some of his free agent signings are doing well um, he's the only one smelling like roses right now. Hopefully he makes the right move uh, and gets rid of Pagano because, yep. yeah. Uh, you just wrote on our dock there, Bruce Arians, and we'll skip ahead. Um, speaking of big names, uh, it looks like he might retire. I know he's denied all those rumors, but I don't know if Arizona wants to fire him, but I think they may mutually part ways because the Palmer Fitzgerald Arians era might be over. I think that especially Carson Palmer, I, I don't know if he can come back another injury. Um, his age and his arm was already declining, so maybe he does skip across. I, I don't think he'd be a head coach, though. He might be an offensive coordinator again, possibly, just to alleviate all the stress. I know he's had some heart issues. Yeah, I mean, with Bruce Arians, it took him that long to, to finally get his gig in Arizona. Obviously, spent time uh, with the Colts and uh, before that with the Steelers. Um, you know, didn't get the job when Tomlin got it. Uh, obviously, did a fantastic job taking over from Pagano during his health health struggles. But you did mention that you know this is an end of an era in in Arizona. I think Steve Kine probably wants to wipe the slate clean and and start again with a uh, you know a fresh coach quarterback. Um, you know, Larry Fitzgerald's um, not long for this league anymore, unfortunately. And you are correct. Maybe not as a, a head coach, but definitely getting back there as a coordinator and, and being able to mentor and support a young head coach. Yep. Um, you know, to, to rebuild and actually try and utilize what's left of Andrew Luck's peak. Um, I'd love to see Bruce Arians um, to stick around, even in a reduced role. I don't think he's going to retire just yet. I think the, the fire's still there, yep. um, given it took him that long to persist to finally get a head coaching gig. Um, you know, you mentioned it. Um, if Ursa wants to make a big splash, uh, why not get someone like Bruce Arians back? Definitely. Uh, all right, another name, Hugh Jackson. Obviously, the Browns have gotten worse despite having a stronger roster. There's a lot of conjecture in the in the front office about this whole uh, trade for uh, the Bengals backup. AJ McCarron, my name just went the name went blank on me, but I found it there mid sentence. But uh, I think you know the Browns have been patient with their staff, but there's a lot of Talks around possibly moving on on the in the staffing or the coach. So either the coaching staff is going to go or the front office is going to go. I've, uh, Albert Breer has said went on Colin Cowherd and said Peyton Manning maybe in in house as the football sort of Cesar like to to look over everything. And then there's also murmurs that Hugh Jackson might be out as well. So I definitely think he's on the hot seat. 
Yeah, I think he would be on the hot seat purely just for the record. Uh, you mentioned on the dock here that you know this this could have been the year that the Browns finally figured something out, uh, and and almost been that what the New York Jets are now with those three four wins and looking you know quite chippy without being uh, you know a well beating team. Yep. Uh, and obviously they sit here uh, with a goose egg in the wins column. Um, I think Jackson would be the sacrificial lamb in this situation. I don't think that they're going to get rid of uh, Dee Podesta or Sashi Brown or anyone else. It's easiest to get rid of the head coach. I obviously don't have the quarterback to get rid of. Um, yep. So I don't think that Jackson should get fired. I think that he's uh, at least owed the opportunity um, to go have one, goal, have one more go at it. Um, you know, selecting a quarterback that allows them to win in the draft this year rather than waiting and trading away those picks. Yep. Um, but it'd be interesting. I think that, you know, the Browns are a very combustible organization. So he may well be fired uh, Sunday night this week. Who knows? Yeah. Well, we uh, interesting times ahead in Cleveland. The off season for the Browns is always far more interesting than the in season. Uh, this next one's a little bit on the fence for, for some, but Mike McCarthy. So Aaron Rodgers absence, you know, has shown McCarthy's general inadequacies. So McCarthy had, uh, he's had three years to work with and evaluate Brett Hudley and then, you know, that was his best game plan that he came up with for Hunley at home against a divisional rival off a bye and a season kind of on the line. And that's what they came up with, with Brett for Brett Hunley. I I don't know about Mike McCarthy. I, th- I feel like Aaron Rodgers, like Andrew Luck for Chuck Pagano and, and um, other great quarterbacks that have covered up some, you know, Peyton Manning um, covered up a lot of Cordwell's um, inadequacies as well. But Aaron Rodgers has covered up a lot of Mike McCarthy and Dom Capers' uh, massive Massively flawed coaching issues. Yeah, Mike McCarthy reminds me of the Andy Reid situation a couple of years ago in his final year in Philly, where you knew there was a guy who obviously had the success with his organization, has great respect around the league, but it it is time to to move on in some circumstances. I don't think his seat is as hot because uh, you just get that feeling that Ted Thompson and the brass there is going to rely on that no Aaron Rodgers for the season uh, excuse. Uh, but, yeah, the fact that you haven't been able to get Brent Hunley out there and uh, just essentially have him as the, the cog in the machine to keep everything rolling, um, you know, the fact that they had allegedly opened up the playbook for, for Huntley this week was ridiculous watching that game. You think that they almost would have closed it on him uh, and told him to be conservative. But, yeah, I, I'm on the fence with McCarthy. I'm, you know, I, we, well, we know for a fact that there's at least one Green Bay Packer fan out there that wants McCarthy and Don Capers <laughs> Uh, straight into the ocean. Yep. Uh, shout, shout out to our mate Mitch Doyle. But um, yeah, I, I'm not quite sure that would be a, a universally admired move, um, you know, across the football landscape, as logical as it may seem. Yeah, and the question is, always is what's what's better? What, what's the alternative? And that's with quarterbacks like your your Andy Dalton's and your Joe Flacco's. What's the alternative? Um, so that's always difficult to find. The last one is Dirk Cutter. Um, the Bucks are two and six. They've been underwhelming. A lot of it is on their defense, who are, are generally you know, the worst in the league, I think, on football outsider. They still rank 32nd. But, you know, Capers was hired to, you know, develop, was, you know, solely on solely promoted on his relationship with Jameis Winston, with Jameis Winston and developing um, him. But it's just seen, it just hasn't been there. He hasn't taken the, the necessary steps in the right direction. I know their season's got off to a weird start with their having the buy in week one and the hurricane and all that sort of stuff. So it's kind of been a weird season all year and they had the hard knocks, but I don't know if Carter can survive this, this season. Maybe 
might he might survive this season, but if they start two and six again next year, I think he's gone. Yeah, I mean the Dirk kind of moved when they hired him to begin with. The Bucks have sort of had a uh, you know, a weird state of, of coaching the last few years. They got rid of Lovey Smith for obvious reasons, and um, you know their, their search for a new coach probably came down to that. Well, what else is out there? Uh, mantra, and they sort of realised that there were slim pickings, um, you know, external to the organisation. So they gave kind of the job almost as just like a, a here you go, um, try and drive this car um, without any great deal of confidence. Obviously, a uh, a decent season last year. The signs were there. A great young quarterback. Um, you know, Mike Evans, as we've mentioned, uh, is a star player. Some great defensive players, but I think we've seen. Not necessarily the best um, reason why Dirk Cutter shouldn't be a head coach, but certainly I think this year the way Tampa's played uh, has shown a lot on the fact that Dirk Cutter probably is one of those guys who is fantastic as a coordinator. There's plenty of them out there who are great as a coordinator and they're able to excel at their craft in that regard, but when you give them the the full reins as a head coach, it's probably not uh, the best decision. So... Uh, I, I wouldn't be surprised if they decided to to go back to the well and find what else was out there because Dirk Cutter, hmm. you know, you, you want a coach that's going to coach for at least the next five to ten years, especially if you allegedly have your franchise quarterback, and I don't think that's Dirk Cutter. Yep, I agree there. All right, let's move on to our second uh, topic in three-point stance, and that's um, talking uh, contenders and pretenders. So a lot of teams are technically, uh, you know, quote-unquote, in the mix at the halfway point of the season. Every team's now played um, half their games this season. So let's let's look at some divisional leaders and, and, and some teams in the wildcard mix, anyone over 500, um, and, and work out who are contenders to win the Super Bowl and, and who, are, who are pretenders. So there might be some division leaders that you still might not be convinced on, but, um, you know, an extra week really helps because a, a team like the Saints I was on the fence about, but I actually think they're, they're a contender... Now I actually think that their defense, you know, is sort of top 15 enough in the league. And when you have Drew Brees, that's enough for you to win, you know, win a Super Bowl with a quarterback like Drew Brees. But let's start with uh, Patriots, definitely contenders. Absolutely contenders. Um, as Too much easy. as we hate them, as much as we hate Brady, um, yeah, they're contenders <laughs> until the day we die. I don't hate. The, I don't hate Brady. I just don't think he is the goat. <laughs> That's the only thing. Uh, I uh, I definitely think, uh, yeah, I definitely think they are contenders. They're yeah, contenders every year. Absolutely. Bill Belichick is alive. Move on. That's an easy one. Steelers. They're contenders. Yep. Um, it's a very slim AFC uh, this year. Three teams for mine, and the Steelers are right up there. Wouldn't be surprised if they were number one seed. They've got cl- things clicking on both sides of the football, uh, and they're one of those franchises who know how to be successful. Um, with the exception of Martavis Bryant, obviously. But, yeah, they're, they're a contender for me. Yeah, definitely. Um, their defense is, is really legit right now. They're, they're the uh, number two DVOA team this um, at the moment on Football Outsiders, so I definitely give them a chance. The Titans? They're, they're a pretender for mine. Someone's yep. got to win that division. Uh, I've got to see a lot more from the Titans to consider them a contender. Agreed there. The Chiefs, this one's tough for me because I buy into them I'm I'm always a sort of a Chiefs skeptic. I, I'm always like, oh, I don't know about the Chiefs. And then when I finally buy into them, they you know lose three out of their last four, and I don't know. And they've got a really good run home, so everyone's going to buy into them again. But I just can't see them winning in the in the playoffs with their defense lacking Eric Berry. Their secondaries too too you know awful. 
um, outside of Marcus Peters. I would have liked to see them trade for like Vontae Davis or something like that before the trade window closes to give them a little bit of stock. But I, I think they're a pretender. I think they're a contender, um, just purely by the fact, as I said, there's really only three dominant teams in the AFC. Uh, they're every chance to have the first round by a first or a second seed. Um, so if they can have teams at Arrowhead, uh, I think they've got a, a good path uh, to the Super Bowl. Um, so I'll consider them a contender at this point. Uh, the Eagles, that's an easy one for me. They're a contender. You know, Carson Wentz is... Uh, a top two MVP candidate uh, right now. He's playing well. Um, your offensive line's still strong, even without Jason Peters. Not as strong, obviously, but um, doing a good enough job. And, and now with JHI, you saw what happens when you give him running lanes. Um, they're a contender. Yeah, absolutely. I don't want to jinx the team, but yeah, when you're 8-1, uh, it'd be very hard for me to sit here and say <laughs> that that's a, a bit fake. So, yeah, no, they're a, they're a contender. The Vikings. They're a contender as well. Uh, for mine, it'd be tough. It'd be tough to see them not winning this division. I still think they're the best team in that division. The Bears obviously aren't going to win it. We know the Packers aren't going to win it. I mentioned last week that I'm uh, I'm excited about what the Lions could potentially do, but I think the Vikings have enough. If I can just work out what they're doing in the quarterback situation, Mike Zimmer, I think, can put them in a position. Um, if they can win the upcoming games against the Saints and the Rams. Uh, that essentially buys them a top two seed uh, for mine because they're going to have that head-to-head advantage. Yeah, I, uh, I think if they can win one or, or two of those games, I'll, I'll, call, I'll call them a contender. But until I know what I'm getting from that quarterback situation, I think they're a pretender. As good as Case Keenum has been, he's Case Keenum. So I can't really buy him. But if Teddy Bridgewater comes back and he is Teddy Bridgewater, um, Teddy Bridgewater is still so young as well. Like he's, he's even like, it's kind of like a a late career start. Like you could just consider him now that he's sat behind someone for a few years and is making his debut. Like he's still 24 years old. Like his career is not over. So I I definitely think he can come back and be good. He was trending in the right direction before he got injured. Um, So they're definitely a pretender for me right now. But um, you know, no, if they had Dalvin cook still and and Bradford, that, that Bradford saints game was still so teasing like it was just so good how complete they looked that week but it's just so long ago so they're a pretender for me the rams the rams are an interesting one i'm going to say i want to park the rams at this stage because they've got a couple of really big games that are going to tell us uh if they're pretenders or not uh then next four include the vikings the saints and the eagles and then after that the seahawks so by thanksgiving we'll definitely know i think that's a bit of a cop-out from my end to say let's wait another month yep uh, but they, they they've got a a perfect slate um uh, to be able to say in the next month to five weeks we're going to show you uh definitively what this team has got yeah uh, definitely agree ready, so. And Aaron Donald's coming along really well defensively as well. Like he's he's playing really really well. Um, I want to see some more complete games from their defense, but their offense is absolutely rolling right now and, and doing yeah. so well. So yeah, I'm I'm on the fence about them. Uh, the Saints, I think, are a contender. I said it right at the top, introducing this segment. Um, their defense is good enough um, for them now to, to on the back of Drew Brees and this running game with Alvin Kamara and uh, Mark Ingram to really get it going. Their defense is actually ranked eighth in uh, DVOA right now, which is just unbelievable, considering the, the bottom four or five for the last three or four years now. So that's that's a superb improvement from them. And Marshawn Lattimore, Alvin Kamara, don't count him out. And you me- you mentioned this to me, and I wasn't a big Kamara fan pre-draft process, but they might have the offensive and defensive rookies of the year. 
Yeah, it's ridiculous. I mean, we spoke last week that it was essentially a two-horse race between uh, Kareem Hunt and, and Deshaun Watson. Well, one of those guys is obviously out of action, and the other one slowed down a fair bit. Nelvin Kamara is trending in the right direction. He's heating up. Uh, I don't know. There might be some stats, now to, stats nerds out there that might be able to tell us this on Twitter, whether or not a team has had both the offensive and defensive rookie of the year in the same year, but... Um, yeah, if I was a betting man, um, I'd be saying that the Saints are every chance to have that. Kamara is in great form. For mine, I'm on the fence with the Saints as well. Uh, they probably don't have the slate coming up to be able to convince me um, as much. They've got a very easy run home. Um, it's really, where have we got the, the Skins, Rams, Panthers, Falcons, Jets, Falcons again, and the Bucks. So I'd probably trend towards contender. Um, just based on what they've been able to do. They're one of the hottest teams outside of the Eagles in the league right now. They're on a great run. Um, they've got a, a quarterback and a coach who know how to be successful, uh, and they're able to make guys around them better. I mean, who would have seen Ted Ginn coming uh, as a legitimate threat, not just as a return guy, but uh, as one of the best offensive pieces on that football team? Yeah. Give me another week on these guys, but I'm, I'm leaning towards contender. All Jess. right. Uh, some quick ones here. The team's in the wild card mix. Um, Bills? Pretender. Yeah, agreed there. Jaguars, I'm um, on the fence. I think um, their defense is actually really, really legit, but at the end of the day, it is Blake Bortles. But if they can still get it going with Leonard Fournette, um, provided he shows up to photos every week and isn't inactive, which was just mind-numbingly dumb, but I, I think they can be contenders just because their defense is so, so, so good. It reminds me of... It reminds me of the Seahawks. Obviously, the difference between Russell Wilson and Blake Bortles is gargantuan, but um, I think they can cause some trouble, especially against the teams they're playing, You know, especially the Pats and teams like that. They can get interior pressure and cause some trouble. Yeah, I mean, you look at the team in that division, uh, the Houston Texans last year, they were able to win a playoff game uh, with essentially the same uh, problems. Not a great quarterback play, but fantastic defense. I'm going to call the Jags a contender because I know that they've got an easy run into the playoffs. They'll be able to be there. Whether or not they can make it past the Pats or the Steelers in the uh, the divisional round, um, yet to be seen. But, yeah, it would be fun to actually watch uh, what they can do because they're a team that's that's come from nowhere and might catch a few teams um, Napping. You know, off guard. Yeah. Exactly. Um, the Cowboys, I'm going to call a contender as well. I think their O-line's playing really dominant football right now, um, remnant of last year. Um, Dax playing really well. I don't think it's. I think it's just overlooked because Carson Wentz is just playing so well and le- you know, leading the league in, in multiple categories, including touchdown passes. But Dax playing well, the O line's playing well. Um, Zeke being suspended is going to play a major role in whether they're contenders or pretenders. But um, I'm going to say they're contenders right now, given how well their line's playing. Yeah, obviously Zeke being there is is going to flip the coin, but I'll call them contenders as well. Our good friend RJ Ochoa mentioned on Twitter. It's foreseeable to see that the Cowboys could go out this week and beat the Falcons whilst the Eagles are on a bye. Uh, and then a Cowboys-Eagles game in Dallas. You could easily see Dallas uh, being able to win that game as well. And if that scenario plays out, you know, all of a sudden uh, we're going into the final six weeks of the season and Dallas is only one game behind yep. you know, the Super Bowl favourites. So yep. to say that Dallas is out of this would be absolutely absurd. Um, they're finally getting everything rolling. As you mentioned, Dak is probably one of the more underappreciated guys. Um, and defensively, they're doing some things that nobody saw coming as well. So yep. if Taco Charlton's getting sacks, you know things are going well in D-Town. Yeah, definitely. Uh, Redskins, I'm going to go with Pretender. Yeah, Pretender for mine as well. They're just too topsy-turvy. Yep. Um, yeah, the fact that they could go out and beat the Seahawks was 
you know, a great result, but you know, where was that um, you know sort of play for most of this season? Uh, I think they're an eight and eight team at best. Yeah, they're just two. They're too bipolar for mine. Yep, I mentioned the Seahawks. I think they are a contender, um, even though they've they've lost games, but they've just got such a good defense. And Russell Wilson's is a good quarterback, a top five NFL quarterback right now. So um, definitely a contender. Yeah, they're a contender for mine as well. You can't discount the fact that they've been relevant for half a decade now and. You know, good teams don't luck into a good run of, of player success like that, and they'll continue that, I yep. would think. All right, last three teams, Lions, Panthers, Falcons, all pretenders for me. Same with you. All pretenders for me, but I think that at least two of those teams will be in the playoffs, but I yep. don't think they're going to make any noise. No, I uh, definitely agree there. The Falcons four from Grace, that's a that's a topic for a later date. Um, huge blockbuster game against Dallas, and we'll get to that in our picks. Alright, all pro teams, we'll try and uh, get through this as quick as possible to get to our uh, week 10 picks. Uh, let's start at the quarterback position. Scott, who's your uh, this is mid-season all pro teams. Who's your quarterback? You can call this a homer pick. It's, it's down oh, to it three is. people. I'm going with Carson Wentz. Um, you, know, you don't get eight wins as a quarterback. QB wins gets that, get that trending on Twitter. Um, yeah, his third down efficiency, the way he's been able to use an offense that is clearly tailored around him, which obviously helps, but there's been nobody more impressive, whether or not you call it uh, impressive because he's come out of nowhere as a second-year player uh, or impressive just by any other standards. No one's played the position better than Carson Wentz and executed better than Carson Wentz's season. Um, but in saying that, I don't hate your pick, and I wouldn't hate Alex Smith either uh, as the all-pro QB. Yep. Um, I'm going to lock in Tom Brady um, purely because he needs some more all-pros. He's only been you know, first-team all-pro twice or second-team all-pro twice. And to gain some ground in the Manning-Brady debate, you know, for, for relevance, Manning's got seven first-team all-pros and three second-team all-pros. So that's 10 to 4. It's a fairly significant gap, so that's that's more than double. So just to even the even the debate up a little bit, make it a little, give some am, more ammunition to the Brady fans. I'm gonna I'm gonna lock in Tom Brady. Yeah, it's about time Tom Brady caught a break, isn't it? Yeah, it he's is. Been down, he's been down in his luck. Throw him a bone. Yeah, exactly. Help help a young kid out. Yeah, exactly. Uh, running back position, we're we're split again. I'm gonna lock in Kareem Hunt. I know he hasn't been great the last couple of weeks, but um, his first month was outstanding, and I think. Uh, at the moment, based off that first month, he he is my uh, all pro. Yeah, I, I I did lean towards Kareem Hunt. I just think that his last few weeks, he came out of the blocks uh, really hard. Uh, he's the best defensive weapon in the league through the first month, but I think the last four to five weeks, where teams have either figured him out or his impact just hasn't been uh, as big, as opposed to Todd Gurley, who'd be my pick. Um, you know, he's had a great comeback from his sophomore slump last year. Uh, he's been a huge reason why the Rams have been able to have a lot of success. Um, as much as we love Jared Goff, um, Todd Gurley has been you know, his best weapon and uh, his fail-safe. So I want to give some love to Todd Gurley because I don't think enough people are. Yeah, I considered him for my flex position, which we'll get to in a, in a minute. But yeah, I, because of his work on the ground and through the air as a, as a uh, receiver as well. But I... Uh, yeah, definitely. Uh, I like that pick. Uh, wide receiver, uh, we both got the same here: Antonio Brown and DeAndre Hopkins. Uh, the first one's fairly easy, and DeAndre Hopkins, while Deshaun Watson, when he finally had a decent quarterback, showed that he is, uh, you know, a top five to six wide receiver in, in in the NFL. And with you know Odell Beckham down and AJ Green getting suspended and Julio not being used effectively, Nuke was the obvious option. 
Yeah, I did arm and arm with a couple of players, but uh, ultimately I settled with Nuke uh, for all the things that you just mentioned there yep. as your phone goes off. Um, <laughs> and then, yeah, I mean, if I had to tell you why Antonio Brown has been one of the best wide receivers in the game this year, yep. um, you clearly haven't been actually watching the football. You've just been listening to this uh, award-winning podcast. <laughs> uh, Antonio Brown is on a, uh, like all-time great wide receiver conversation trajectory in terms of what he's doing. Um, I think it's, I don't think we'll realize how great he is until, until he's gone. Um, it's pretty amazing. Uh, all right. Tight end. Uh, we're split again. I've locked in Travis Kelsey, baby Gronk. Um, I think he's been outstanding. I tossed and turned on whether to go with your selection, um, uh, which is, which is my boy. So good at Ertz, uh, Zach Ertz. <laughs> Uh, for those who have watched football in December for most of Zach Ertz's career, you'd understand how good a football player he is. And, and finally, Zach Ertz is treating every month like it's December. Yep. Um, again, this is a coin flip, another one. If you go and have a look at these two guys side by side, if I said player A and player B here are all their key stats, uh, they're almost identical. Um, I probably went with Ertz more as a homer pick uh, than actually thinking he's better than, than Travis Kelsey. Um, but, yeah, he, he's been so ridiculously consistent yeah. uh, for all nine weeks of the season. Uh, and, again, the, the growth of Carson Wentz this year is in no small part uh, the development um, you know, and the relationship with a guy like Zach Ertz, who's able to find the end zone. He's able to make those big plays. Um, and I feel though, as though he's been the best tight end in football this year. And I felt like that uh, for essentially the whole year, um, as close as Travis Kelsey and him are, in all the key areas. I think uh, his famous wife, Julie, the uh, soccer player, has probably just put December calendars all around the house so all year, so <laughs> Zach Ertz just thinks it's December. That's why he's just so confused about, like, ma- imagine, like, every four weeks he rocks up in a Christmas sweater, every, like, every time. Um, that That's the only explanation for Zach Ertz uh, playing December football all through the season. Hey, if it works, it works. Yeah, exactly. I'm, uh, I'm not going to explain. <laughs> flex position. I've got Le'Veon Bell. I think he's been great. Um, carried the Steelers despite Big Ben's flaws this year. Good in the air, good on the ground. Um, he's definitely my flex position. Yeah, I've got Tyreek Hill here uh, purely because I, I wanted to try and fit him in at the wide receiver position but couldn't quite justify it. Um, I also dudded him in the uh, the kick and punt returner section. So I feel like he deserves a spot um, and he's a playmaker to jump in that flex position. Yep. Um, no real other justification other than that. Um, offensive tackle. Uh, look, I wanted to put some, uh, you know, Jason Peters or Joe Thomas in there, but given that they are out for the season, I went with some healthy bodies in there. I went with Andrew Whitworth at left tackle, who's been probably the best free agent signing um, in terms of helping Jared Goff. Um, giving him a coach and a, an all-pro left tackle has really improved them, and he's been an absolute stud. And Lane Johnson's just been unreal. Um, he's just been so good. Yeah, I, I did go with Joe Thomas, um, if not just for the fact that this man has not allowed a single sack uh, and just 11 total pressures uh, in the seven games he played. Um, you know, I, I did want to dud him purely just based on the fact that he, he's not active anymore. Um, but just based on the first half of the season, you can't ask much more um, you know, of your left tackle than to say, don't let somebody get your quarterback. Uh, and he's done that, as he has done for his whole career. And I've chucked Jane, uh, sorry, Jane Johnson, Lane Johnson on the other side as well. Um, yeah, there's a lot of prognostication about whether or not he'd move across to the left side following the Jason, Peter, uh, Jason Peters injury. He stayed on the right-hand side. Um, you know, and 
with the exception of the times that he'd had to miss time because of his, his PED stuff, uh, it's very hard to floor Lane Johnson at any stage of his career. And he's shown this year, um, now that he's quote-unquote clean, um, you know, what he did to Von Miller on the weekend was just absurd. That was He was manhandling him at some stages. Yep. Um, and I just feel like, you know, for a right tackle, you can't go past him. Exactly. Uh, moving on to the guard position, uh, we've got a, and, and center. We'll just do interior as a whole. We've got uh, two of the same, David DeCastro and Jason Kelsey. Both have been rock solid this season. Yeah. Not, not, me, not much as needs to be said about them. Yeah, I think they're easily the, uh, the best at their respective positions. I've also got Joel Batonio in there. Yep. Uh, Batonio, I feel a bit weird having two Cleveland Browns players uh, in my all-pro team, but uh, I think yeah, Batonio, I don't think he ranks too highly in terms of blocking efficiency or in any great metrics uh, across the league or the AFC, but he is the best. Um, you know, I think he's playing on the left side in Cleveland. I've got him on the right side in this team, but... You know, in terms of left guards, uh, he's easily been the best by some margin. Um, so I felt as though, even though there's a couple of brands in the team, I wanted to give Petonio uh, a shout-out. Also, just as a bit of an apology for uh, theorising, he'd get punched in the face earlier in the year uh, by <laughs> Fontes Perfect. So um, I hope this makes it up to you and the Petonio family, John. Yeah, well, the olive leaf yeah, has been granted. I, I went with Zach Martin as my left guard as... Well, and it's Olive Branch, Josh, you imbecile. Um, all right, <laughs> Olive Leaf, what am I thinking? All right, D-line, this was really tough. D-line and edge was really, really tough because it's been probably the most dominant um, position in football right now, and there's a lot of bad offensive lines in football, which has allowed a lot of D-linemen and edge players, as good as they are, to be even better and more productive than ever. Um, so it makes it really, really tough, and it's part of the reason why defenses are, there's probably more good defenses than truly great offenses in the NFL, but... I've gone with Aaron Donald and Dominican Sue in my interior line. Um, I feel like Sue just gets overlooked because Miami is so boring to watch and so bad to watch and haven't been, like, they've been winning games, but they're just still awful. And Aaron Donald has just been absolutely superb. Um, and then on my edge, I've locked in Everson Griffin. I think he's just been unbelievable. I, I, I had to leave Melvin Ingram out because I just, even though Von Miller is, you know, you said he got manhandled by Lane Johnson, he was still so good. In, in in the run game as well and, and, and what he was able to do, just isolated, looking at a lot of snaps. He's, he's just been so consistent every week. Yeah, I mean, not to say that Von Miller didn't destroy the Eagles on the weekend because yep. if you do look at it uh, on the old 22 tape, he, he did have his battles won. Um, the amount of times he was able to, to get to to Carson Wentz. He just didn't have a great deal of success against Lane Johnson. Yep. Um, I had to go with a bit of a stretch with my uh, with my defensive line, uh, my edge rushes. I chucked Calais Campbell on the inside. Good call. Um, I, just, I just needed to have him in this team. Uh, I think that's his strong, so I don't really look at him um, as being on the outside. So I wanted to put him on the inside with Aaron Donald. For obvious reasons, Aaron Donald is just an absolute beast. The stats that he puts up and what he's able to do week by week on week and and put an edge over every other uh, interior line, despite missing time at the start of the year, um, is pretty much given everyone a head start and said, I'm going to catch you and exceed you. And on the outside, I did give a nod to Melvin Ingram. Nice. Um, you, know, you went with Griffin. I figured I'd go with Ingram because yeah, you've got to give the guy kudos. It'd be pointless us sitting here having the same people. Yep. And then obviously, as I mentioned, we've got Von Miller on the outside as well. Yeah. Uh, moving on to linebacker, um, we definitely had a couple of the same uh, I considered one of your guys there, but I went with Bobby Wagner, Levante David, and Telvin Smith. Um, Bobby Wagner, I talk about it like another player. Like Antonio Brown is appreciated and appropriately rated 
but I feel like he's still underrated in terms of what he does, given his size and stature and everything. And he'll be so worldly, so glad. What's the word I'm looking for? I think appreciate, really appreciated when he retires. Bobby Wagner is unbelievable as a linebacker, and I don't feel like he gets the the credit he deserves. Like he he isn't really a household name like your Luke Keekleys out there, but he he's probably better than Luke Keekley. I think he is unbelievable. Um, he's he, the best linebacker in football by a long margin. Yeah, it's strange that he can't be a household name considering he's played on a team that's been relevant, um, you think, know, as I mentioned, you for think about maybe half a decade. there's maybe too many big names on that team. He just gets overshadowed by the personalities of your Richard Shermans and your your Michael Bennetts and your L. Thomases? Yeah, that could be exactly the case, but um, you know, considering this is a guy who's got an MVP vote in the past, I can't really think of him as a <laughs> Tony Dungy. guy. But... <laughs> But no, I, I definitely agree. Um, you know, you can't go past what Bobby Wagner means to that that defensive so team. Good. We've seen a decline from a lot of those guys that you mentioned. Yeah, you Richard Shermans and your Michael Bennett's, but there's Bobby Wagner in the middle. Um, his, just getting his game on the better. weekend was just extraordinary. Like he was everywhere. It's, it was unbelievable. Yeah, yeah, he's his speed and his reaction and his knack for playing football is is uncanny and. Yeah, I, I wouldn't fault you if you said he was better than the Keekleys, um and all the other guys. Levante David, I know uh, you had on your team is another guy that I think you know people probably think of him uh, purely just based on the fact that he is almost the only guy on that that defense. Um, so yeah, potentially as you mentioned, the fact that um, that Wagner is hidden behind all these other guys um, yeah. is one thing. I had Sean Lee in there, who I think you sort of mentioned that you wanted to put in. Yeah. Uh, I, you know, it does seem strange that I'm putting all these Cowboys players in rather than Eagles, but yeah. you know, I, I can't fault shortly. He's easily my favorite Cowboy um, to watch. Yep. Uh, not that an Eagles fan can have a favorite Cowboy, but yeah, I really appreciate what Sean Lee's able to do. I thought I'd have him in there. And Telvin Smith as well uh, is a big reason why the Jags are playing so well along with Calais Campbell. So uh, the Jags have easily got the best defense and I've already got two Jags in my team at the moment and there's one more to come. Yep, and we'll get to corners now. Mentioning Cowboys as well, I found it was so difficult to lead Demarcus Lawrence out of Everson Griffin and Von Miller. I I really thought about Lawrence over Von Miller um, there, but a little bit of personal bias. I really love Von Miller. Um, Corners, um, I went with Jalen Ramsey and Patrick Peterson. Ramsey's the best corner in football right now um, and he's part of the reason why, you know, the guys up front are getting a lot of um, sacks because there's just no passing lanes. There's no no one's open, so there's a lot of coverage sacks given to Clay Campbell's. That doesn't mean they're not getting separation and and uh, beating blocks and things like that. But uh, Jalen Ramsey's been extraordinary, and Peterson. I know Arizona have been so awful, but he's just been so good. He's been a, been a shutdown corner um, all year. Yeah, I had Marshawn Lattimore uh, opposite. Uh, Jalen Ramsey here. Not because I don't think Patrick Peterson deserves the nod. That was a toss-up um, for me between those two. Yeah. Yep. I mean, Lattimore for a rookie, uh, I think he's got something like a passer rating of 37 uh, when targeted, which, you know, for, for a young guy in his first year of the league, in a position that, um, you know, a lot of people did fold as, as the reason why the Saints weren't going to be able to make any noise. Um, yeah, you'd be excused if quarterbacks and offensive coordinators wanted to pick on him and yeah, you do say your own peril. Um, you know, he's, he's clearly going to be the defensive rookie of the year at this stage. Wouldn't be surprised if he was getting nods like this as well. Yep. Um, Agreed. You know, even, up, even up there in the defensive player of the year um, conversation. Huge. Wow. Uh, all right. Our last three are all the same. Harrison Smith and Earl Thomas are our safety pairings. That one was easy. Harrison Smith, uh, best safety in football, and Earl Thomas, 
um, just because he's coming back off injury, just not just a touch lower in my personal rankings, but uh, can make the case either way. And then Casey Haywood is our flex player. He can play um, in the in the slot role as a corner and and cover that flex role. Th- those those three were really easy. Moving on to um, special teams, uh, punter. I've just gone with one of the Aussies, Jordan Berry or Lachlan Edwards. Fly the flag. Um, you know, obviously Brad Wing as well, but. Barry and Edwards have been on the show, and so I'm going to go with the, the friends of the pod there. I've got my kicker is Justin Tucker, and my returner is Tyree Kill. Yeah, I went with the punter. It's not exactly a sexy position or anything that everyone, when the all-pro team comes out, they don't exactly scroll straight down to the punter. I've got Brett Kern from the Titans, wow. uh, purely because he's been the best punter in terms of stats this year. Uh, he's been an absolute monster. Um, I think he's landed about half his punt so far inside the opposition 20. Uh, he's got a good leg on him, uh, so I'll give him a nod because punters don't get enough nods, obviously. Uh, I've got Harrison Butker uh, as my kicker uh, for much of the same reasons. I didn't want to go towards the obvious guys. Um, you know, Justin Tucker, if you saw his attempted onside kick on the weekend, probably takes a few votes off for me. Uh, so Harrison <laughs> Butker. Uh, and then the returner, as I said, I, I did dud Tyreek Hill in this regard, although I did give uh, Tyreek the freak a spot in the flex. Farrah Cooper in LA, um, doesn't matter what metric you want to use in terms of kick returning, whether it be averages, whether it be touchdowns, whatever it is, Farrah Cooper is in the top five uh, any way you look at it. Uh, he's been the best returner uh, in any shape or form this year. So I'm giving Farrah Cooper uh, not only one of the best names uh, in my all-pro team, but I'm giving him the return duties as well. All right, pre-snap picks time, and we're looking at week 10 in the NFL. Let's start with Thursday Night Football. Seattle Seahawks, Arizona Cardinals. Um, A bit of a mismatch here on Thursday Night Football. Russell Wilson and the Seahawks, fresh off a home defeat to Washington, um, take on Drew Stanton um, and, uh, yeah, the Cardinals. Adrian Peterson carried the ball a phenomenal record time by an over 30 Running back last week, he won't have success. Same success against Seattle. I'm taking the Seahawks. Yeah, this is an easy one. The Seahawks should easily get the job done uh, on the road. Yeah. Uh, if they're not able to win these sort of games, then they're they're obviously not a contender. Um, you know, these are the games that they'll be winning. Yeah, contenders need to win games like this. Um, although division games are always tough. I, you know, that game was like six three or something, or it was a tie last year. It was a one of the, oh, last... it was one, of the one of the greatest field goal of uh, games. The Ever. fact that that made, I don't know if it went to, it didn't go to double overtime, because I didn't have double overtime in regulation, but I think yep. it was decided, what, the last minute or two of, of overtime? Yep. With every every number of missed and made field goals, it was phenomenal. But... Yeah, it was a barn burner. I don't think we'll get the same here this week. Um, anyway. Uh, Cincinnati Bengals, Tennessee Titans, uh, not not great games this week, uh, but we you know, you got to uh, take it with a grain of salt, because we've seen bad slates before end up... Uh, killing it on red zone. Um, I'm taking the Titans here. Uh, I think they're a slightly better team. The Bengals are a weird team that they can come out and, and score points on a whim in weird matchups. Uh, I would like to see this Titans defense get tested. The Ravens weren't able to do that with uh, Joe Flaccid, but I'm taking the Titans. Yeah, I've got the Titans at home as well. Um, you know, if, this, if this team wants to be taken seriously to try and win a very winnable division, um, again, these are the kind of games you've got to win. Uh, it feels as though they're starting to try and work out what their running game looks like with DeMarco and Derrick Henry, as flaccid as that has been for most of the year. 
Um, Corey Davis being back, hopefully we can see him integrated into the offense a bit more. Yep. Um, you know, to justify that top end pick. Um, and obviously Marcus Mariota versus Andy Dalton. Give me Marcus any day of the week. Yep. Cleveland Browns at Detroit Lions. This is an easy one. The Lions will win this one um, quite comfortably. Yeah, uh, a couple of scores in this one. Yep. The Lions, this is the game to fix your red zone um, offense up. Uh, give it a give it a real test. Try out some plays, see what you've see what you've got. Uh, the, come on, come on, Jim Bob. <laughs> the Packers at the Bears. Um, normally you just slot in the Packers here. Aaron Rodgers he's owned the Bears, but the Bears at home have been really sneaky this year, and obviously no Aaron Rodgers. So you've got Brett Hundley taking on the Bears in Soldier Field, where the Bears have tested some good teams out and, and snuck a few wins. So I'm taking the Bears. Yeah, the Bears at home against a team that doesn't really have any identity. They're coming off the bye. Uh, the Packers are coming off a short week. Um, so this is the kind of game that the Bears uh, can get something rolling. And I don't think that Trubisky's going to have a huge game, uh, but he's going to be well supported by his running game. And the Bears will get the job done. Um, in a close one, might go to overtime, but I think the Bears. Yep. Uh, Los Angeles Chargers, uh, fresh off a bye, travel to Jacksonville to take on the Jags. This is a, a sneaky game of the week for me. Um, the Chargers, although they're three and five, the, you know, a wild card pick is still available for for up for grabs in the AFC. If you don't believe in the Bills, um, especially given their road troubles, the Bills, um, the Chargers, you know, they can win some games, some tough games like this. They they push the Pats um, on the road just before the bye. So I, I'm giving them a chance. I'm actually going to take them. I think that they can they can get something going, possibly against this Jaguars defense. Phillip Rivers doesn't fear anyone, and that's what I like, that he's willing to throw the rock. You know, he may have a pick six or two, but he can put his team in a position to win just about any game. Um, so I'm going to take the charges here, but um, this is a game I'm looking forward to watching. Yeah, this would be a really good one. It's a sneaky good one. Um, I don't fault you for picking the charges. I'm going to go with the Jags just on the home team. Uh, but as I mentioned last week on the pod, the Jags can be fairly topsy-turvy one week on, one week off. And uh, they had a good week last week uh, to get the win. Uh, although, as you said, not exactly um, you know, the best opponent. I'll take the Jags, though, just because I want to have belief in this team. Yep. Uh, the Vikings travel to Washington. Now, this will be an interesting game. We're not sure who's starting at quarterback for the Vikings. I do think it will be Case Keenum. Um, I think that is pretty set in stone, but there's just still some murmurs about Teddy Bridgewater being active or not. Um, he might be the backup in this game. Washington at home, um, fresh off a, a good win. Um, they need to carry that momentum, and, and beating a Vikings team like this could propel them into possible to contender category. I don't think so, but I actually think they'll win this game. Um, the Vikings are much better at home. Uh, I don't know about Case Keenum yet. I know he's been solid, but um, Washington's defense is is pretty good, pretty solid across the board. Yeah, I'm going to go with the Vikings purely just coming off the bye. Uh, Washington's traveling back from Seattle. Sometimes you have these games uh, like the Redskins did last week. You're able to get back on that emotional high, try and contain some of the momentum, but you come out flat the following week. Um, Even the good teams do it. Um, So I'm going to take the Vikings to sort of catch the Redskins napping early, um, build enough of a lead. For three quarters of the game, the the Redskins will probably be the better team, uh, but I think the Vikings are going to have enough in the tank to be able to pip them. Yep. Uh, New Orleans Saints at Buffalo Bills. The last of the this three-game stretch here, the, the Jags, Chargers, Vikings, Redskins, Saints, Bills, probably the three best games of the week for me. Um, the Bills at home are a much, much better team. They've had extra time to prepare for this game. But I'm not picking against the Saints until they lose. So I'm going to keep picking them until they lose a game. And 
and prove prove me wrong. But I'm I'm in on this Saints team. I, I think their defense is playing well. David Onyenada is playing good. Alex Okafor is getting pressure. Cameron Jordan's getting pressure. Suddenly giving them you know shutdown corners, giving their defense a chance. Um, I actually think that they can win this game as good as the Bills are at home. Yeah, I'm kind of contradicting myself when I said the Bills are pretenders and the Saints, I, I think, are kind of a contender. I'm going to go with the Bills, though. Uh, as you mentioned, they're at home. They've had the uh, the extra few days of rest. Um, probably the thing I'm watching for this game from the Bills' point of view is uh, obviously Kelvin Benjamin's first uh, game suited up, provided he plays, obviously, uh, how they utilize him uh, in this offense. I just think the Bills, they're going to be embarrassed by, by how they played last week and that division game. I think they can still sniff that the playoffs are a possibility. Um, and they'll be looking for a scalp. So Sean McDermott uh, will have this team ready to go. Yep. Uh, New York Jets at Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Um, Ryan Fitzpatrick gets the start. Um, you know, it's the circle of life. He's back playing against these Jets um, in this game with Jameis Winston and Mike Evans being out. With Mike Evans being out, I'm taking the Jets who have been uh, sneakily, all right, but I wouldn't wouldn't count the Bucks out in a Ryan Fitzpatrick revenge game. But uh, here we are in Week Ten, picking the Jets to to move ahead for a winning record. Who would have thought? Yeah, I'll take the Jets here as well. I've got no confidence in the Bucks. I haven't really got a great deal of confidence in the Jets, but the Jets are just plucky enough uh, to be making some noise. So I'll go the Jets on this one. Yep. All right, moving on. The Steelers play the Colts. This is an easy one. The Colts are not good, and the Steelers are good. So I'm taking the Steelers. <laughs> I like the way that you summed that yep. up quite eloquently. Yep. Um, we'll do the same here, the Houston Texans and Los Angeles Rams. Tom Savage is not good. Jared Goff is good. I'm taking the Rams. Yeah, I mean, this will be the uh, the Wade Phillips revenge game, would it not? Yes, it would be. Um, although, uh, actually, Aaron Donald pummering uh, Tom Savage repeatedly would be a pretty good revenge for, for old uh, Wade Phillips. Yeah. Uh, the Rams. Dallas Cowboys at Atlanta Falcons. This is a real sort of turning the corner game for the Cowboys to continue their momentum and prove that they are back and, and a contender. And then this is a, a real sort of game for the Falcons. Um, backs backs against the wall, really. Um, they need to get this win at home to prove that they're still a playoff team and, and they're not suffering from, you know, quote-unquote, the Super Bowl hangover and, and all that sort of stuff. A loss here for the Cowboys, especially given the Panthers, who we've both tipped to beat the Dolphins, spoiler alert, um, that could move them ahead and, and possibly put the Falcons at a, a real big disadvantage to make the playoffs um, as a wild card um, and, and out of the reach of the division as well. Yeah, you'd essentially call this an early playoff game, uh, given the implications for the winner and the loser. You know, I threw up the scenario of, of Dallas could easily be a game behind the Eagles in a fortnight's time, and you know, it's winning games like this um, you know, to be able to make a statement and, and show that you know, beating the, the Chiefs last week wasn't an aberration. It was you know, the sign of a team on the rise. I've gone the Cowboys here. Um, I just don't have any confidence in what Steve Sarkeesian's doing with this Atlanta team. Yep. Um, this is a complete 180 in terms of, of what the Falcons look at, uh, look like on offense. Uh, there's no confidence there uh, in the playing group. There's no confidence they're able to make those big plays. Um, but in saying that, you know, this does feel like a game where the Falcons could catch the Cowboys napping. I'll still go with the Cowboys, though, because I think they are the better team. Uh, trending in the right direction. Yep, uh, I'm also taking the Cowboys as well after they scorned me last week with the Chiefs, so um, I was impressed with the Cowboys. New York Giants, San Francisco 49ers, the two have a combined win of one. Real barn burner of a game. I'm taking the 49ers. I could not care less about this game. 
Uh, it's just good for the 49ers to actually get on the board uh, and, and bump that win total up to two between these two teams. Double that win total. Uh, double that win total. And I said last week I can see the 49ers winning before the Browns, and, and here it is. Yeah, this is their chance. New England Patriots take on Brock Osweiler and Denver Broncos taking the Patriots here. Although Brock Osweiler has played at mile high and beaten the Patriots before in prime time. Um, could we see that happening again? They're going to have to channel uh, you know, the past Denver Broncos. Von Miller is going to have to play out of his skull. Um, you know, Keeves Lee is going to have to play out of his skull. Uh, D. Thomas and, and uh, Cody Lanham is going to have to play out of his skull, for that matter, um, along with Manny Sanders. You can't go past the Pats, though. Um, they're rested, uh, and, and the Broncos have had to travel across to Philly and get absolutely murdered, so... Um, yeah, yeah, the Pats. Schedule lines up really well for the Pats. You know, nice week to prepare for Mile High. Brock Osweiler, everything sort of comes up Millhouse. Uh, everything for the up uh, <laughs> the mighty New England Patriots on that throne of ease. All right, the last game. Um, get excited, Miami Dolphins in prime time yet again. How fun! Three weeks in a row. Dolphins Panthers. I'm taking the Panthers. It's good to see them get the ball to Christian McCaffrey in space. And and feature him more heavily in their offense. And who would have thought that giving uh, their number one uh, number yeah number one overall pick this year not obviously number one but their number one pick the ball um, resulted in their best rushing performance. Yeah, I've got the Panthers here to keep the Titanic rolling. Um, I don't know why. <laughs> I don't know why the Dolphins are on prime time for a third straight uh, week. Obviously, the the schedule makers uh, fell in love with them being a uh, a chippy team that made the playoffs last year, but. Yeah, we're going to have to deal with Jay Cutler and crew for a third straight week, and, and Cam Newton should do the job here, yep. I would hope. Yep, sink that Titanic, man. Uh, Scott, before we let you go, anything to promote, um, and uh, we'll uh, finish the show. Uh, I have not really got anything to promote other than this wonderful podcast. Um, obviously, keep listening. Thank you again for having me. I hope I did uh, the filling in for Josh Wu justice. You did, mate. Um, you did. I'm a little bit louder and not as soft-spoken, but I don't apologize for that. <laughs> I'll um, put it to the no, focus group. Um, the, the results have been very positive, so um, good signs. Good. So, yeah, if you can, if you can spell my, uh, my Twitter handle, feel free to give me a follow. As I said last week, there's nothing too substantial on there, but always good to talk football. Uh, I'll talk anything with you guys out there, so uh, give me a follow. I'll give you a follow back. And as long as you're not throwing out too many hot takes, I'm sure we can have a lot of fun. Yep. And uh, be sure to check out the punt return and DFS down under in the next 24 hours. We'll, we'll be rolling them out tomorrow. And uh, that's it for the show. Thanks for listening to another installment of the Woot and Why Show. Check out previous episodes at WootandY.com and on iTunes. And follow each of the boys on Twitter at This Is Woot and at JYNFL. Or you can follow the podcast at Woot and Y.